What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hi, all. It's the ghost. We always talk about true crime, and a lot of the times it's happening in the United States. So today, I thought I'd look somewhere else. And I'm also going to look at, instead of men who are murderers, what about all those women out there? committing these kinds of crimes. Women do kill, and killing does happen outside of the U.S. I am going to take a look at five different British women who murdered their partners, from a lethal row over bubble and squeak all the way to a hammer attack that ended years of psychological torment. These are the stories of these five British women who killed their husbands and their boyfriends. We're going to start with Penelope Jackson, who is known for saying, I thought I'd get his heart, but he hasn't got one. And I say that because that's exactly how Penelope Jackson reported her stabbing of her husband David to an emergency operator in February of 2021. When she was asked where her victim was located, The stunningly blasé 66-year-old woman says he's in the kitchen bleeding to death with any luck. So what happened here? Well, earlier that evening, this Somerset couple, they'd been having a seemingly pleasant dinner, lobster steak, even champagne, during this long Zoom call with their daughter. But then things spiral out of control after they started arguing over a bubble-and-squeak side dish and whether it was an appropriate dish to go with the gourmet dinner. Penelope Jackson later says that David, who was her fourth husband, by the way, that he had dominated and abused her for years and deserved punishment. However, jurors, they weren't quite persuaded that this was a case of a woman snapping after years of trauma. She was found guilty of murder with the judge handing her an 18-year minimum term for what he described as a callous and premeditated crime. That didn't work for Penelope. How about Rebecca Searing? So in February of 2022, just one year from Penelope Jackson killing her husband, a similarly dramatic story of domestic murder hits the headlines. And this time, the woman is wielding a knife and she's 52-year-old Rebecca Searing, an Essex nurse who stabbed her husband, Paul, to death as he lay in bed in the early hours of the morning. Doing the deed shortly after Paul had come home from the pub, Rebecca herself called emergency services, 
And she told police, I can't believe I've just done this. During her trial, the defense emphasized that Rebecca still loved the man she killed, but that the relationship involved regular domestic violence. And we know this is a very sensitive issue. However, the judge took a dim view of what had unfolded. He said that the abuse allegations could not justify cold-blooded murder, that Paul presented no threat on that night she attacked him. Rebecca Searing was handed a minimum term of 17 years behind bars. And I know we're coming off a lot of the Me Too stuff, and domestic violence is never okay, ever. But do you feel that when someone's in this situation, should you believe Rebecca, that they're allowed to attack the person when they are vulnerable? Do they have that right? I mean, on one side, you have, well, the woman's vulnerable when the man, in this case, would turn on her and inflict violence on her. So does it work both ways? What does he deserve for attacking her when she's vulnerable, but then she attacks him when he's vulnerable and she goes to prison? The law is the law. This is always a very tough subject, especially when there's no one there to witness the crimes. Hopefully this was all done right and she got what she deserved, not that she got punished for something that she just had to do. You can look at it several ways. I'm keeping my opinion out of it, but something to think about. All right, let's look at the next case, Sally Challen. Now, unlike the women that I've already talked about, Sally was regarded in more of a sympathetic light by the legal system, but only after serving nine years of a life sentence for murder. So this crime happened back in August of 2010. But Sally, she was 56 at the time, she bludgeoned her husband Richard to death with a hammer after she made him bacon and eggs in their home in Surrey. The abrupt brutality of the crime led to Sally being painted in court as an obsessive woman eaten up with jealousy by Richard's friendships with other women. But after years, Years after her murder conviction, she's permitted to appeal on grounds that she'd been the victim of coercive control. I've talked about this before. I think we need a lot of laws around coercive control, but I don't know if we're all the way there yet. This guy had subjected Sally to a barrage of mistreatment. He would call her names. He would undercut her self-esteem. And he would put all these little weird and bizarre rules on what she did. Fully backed up by her family, Sally had her conviction quashed in 2019, and she walked free that very same year. This case remains a landmark of its kind, shedding a light on how coercive control and psychological abuse can be every bit as traumatizing as domestic violence. It's a different sort of abuse, something that's harder for someone to explain. They don't have the bruises from it might come out in their behavior. This is something that I think is going to get bigger and bigger in our world as we are tested, our patience is tested. The kindness of others that we're looking for oftentimes isn't there right now. There's a lot of stuff that we deal with that's coming at us in the news. And then you have this pressure at home or whatever situation you're in. This can make you very vulnerable and submissive to the control of someone else. And you might start believing things about yourself 
that aren't really true, but you think they are based on what you're being told and how you're being treated. This puts you in an entirely different mindset. And at that point, are you really thinking all the way for yourself? Or is this a reaction to the control, the abuse that you've got mentally that you really can't explain to anybody else? What do you do? It's very difficult to pin down these kinds of crimes. Like I said, I just don't think that we're all the way there yet. All right, well, let's take a look at Barija Martin. All right, this is in 2014. In November, 22-year-old Liverpool, this woman, Barija Martin, came home to her boyfriend, Kyle Farrell, after a night out. And then an argument happens. Happens a lot after people go out, doesn't it? This culminates with Farija stabbing him fatally in the chest. Now, despite the story of abuse in the relationship, and Kyle's violence had been witnessed by friends and family, and he even once kicked her in the stomach when she was pregnant. Well, either way, Farija's found guilty of murder, and she's handed down a life sentence. But with the help from the campaigning organization Justice for Women, she was able to obtain proper psychiatric assessments which set out the truth of what exactly this woman endured. And it was determined that at the time of the killing, she had been suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and dissociation from all of the abuse. Her murder conviction gets overturned in 2021, and she was given a new 10-year sentence for manslaughter. However, the judge was at pains to point out that the person at the center of this tragedy is still Kyle Farrell, while her appeal solicitor said she was appalled and gobsmacked that Farija was even having to do any more time over this. Tell the cookie crumbles she got a break. Was it good enough? I'm not sure. All right, last up, let's talk about Emma Jane Magson. The case of Emma Jane remains one of the most controversial of this kind of crime. In March of 2016, this 23-year-old woman stabbed her boyfriend James to death after a night out. Emma Jane claimed that it happened while he was trying to throttle her, but her questionable behavior that night, including things like, she said, oh, don't worry about it, to the emergency operator when they said the ambulance was going to be a little bit late. This comment helped pave the way for a murder conviction. A retrial was later ordered after new evidence suggested she could have used the diminished responsibility defense. A second trial takes place, but Emma Jane is still found guilty of murder, with the judge adding that he was sure that most acts of violence in that relationship had been perpetrated by Emma Jane herself, not James. This decision was disputed by women campaigners, of course, with the Center for Women's Justice highlighting the evidence of James' violent conduct. And they even accused the prosecutors of showing, and I quote, appalling class prejudice and misogyny when pursuing the murder conviction. Emma Jane's bid to appeal the second conviction, it's been denied. I mean, think about this, guys. There's so much going on with these kinds of crimes. You know, there are issues with domestic violence. Women get afraid to come forward. And, you know, I always hear people say, why didn't they just leave? 
And you hear people say that. They always say, why didn't they just leave, right? But I don't think people understand the psyche of someone that's been in a situation like that and you add this PTSD and the gaslighting and anything else, the coercion. This is a very big deal. It's almost like a silent mask to your crime. It masks a crime that you can't put your finger on. You know, it's something you can't touch or write down or take a picture of. This is something that happens inside someone's brain. And I think that we need a lot more research onto what this does. And we study the brain all the time. I mean, can someone hijack your brain into doing exactly what you want them to do? I mean, is that a better word for it? Because that kind of seems like what happens here. They hijack the brain, they twist it all up, and then the person's confused, they're in survival mode, and what should they do? And then on the other side, you have people that use these kinds of things for themselves as a defense, even though they flat out just murdered someone because they didn't want them around anymore. How do you really you know, get through all of that and find out which cases are real, which cases aren't? You know, what was domestic violence? What was intentional to the psyche? It's a very hard thing to work on, figure out, and prove. These cases continue, and I hope over time we can get to a better place with them and understand what exactly is going on to the victim. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. We all have the questions. That's why we stay curious.